0: good morning. We are live. All right.
1: Good morning.
0: Another Wednesday with coffee. (laughs) So I have my coffee today. I wasn't prepared with coffee last week. So how's it going boys? I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm doing really, really good. I you know, I just got back from Nashville, which was insane. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. It was crazy and uh crazy with people i was i, lo- I was looked at as a weird one wearing my mask so got to mastermind with some amazing people and and looking to mastermind
2: with you guys today and i just looking for a good time here so dave what do you got going on man hey guys i was down in nashville a couple weeks ago man it was such a great time i love that city it's such an amazing town love it there absolutely love it there i think i might have got covid there but what are you <laughs> gonna do it, was worth, like it. Was, it was, was worth it, it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm certain I didn't get COVID because I've been vaccinated, but I came back with a scratch for sure. When you have that many people in public, when you haven't had that many people in public bef- for a while. It,
2: it, for a long funny. time, right. You're
0: down to catch something, right? Yeah, <laughs>
2: right. yeah. So, absolutely.
0: <clears throat> very cool. All right. How we're here, here to answer questions. We're here to help people out. We're here to just uh, talk about some of the things that we have going on. So if you have questions, make sure you're asking questions. Uh, I don't know. Anybody want to share some wins? I know Gavin, you had one.
1: Yeah, so I'm in uh, I'm in Atlanta right now. I'm actually working at Starbucks. Um, so I'm heading after this call to get my brother-in-law from the airport. We're heading to Alabama to do some content for in our flips that we've got going and some wholesale deals. Uh, but, yeah, we close on one in the morning at 8 a.m., a flip, uh, which is good. Um, some good numbers there. We should make after money costs about fifty something thousand. Uh, so that's awesome. We got a wholesale deal closing on Friday uh, for ten thousand. Uh, so there's some uh, good wins. um And yeah, I'm excited to do some content. It's actually I've done like hundreds of deals in Alabama. It's only my second time visiting, so which is awesome. So I'm looking forward to actually going and seeing uh, some of these places that we're buying and flipping, and uh, see how it how it's all coming together and looking like. So. Yeah, what about you guys?
0: I sat with my team yesterday. Um, first time I've done it in a while and I, I definitely realized I need to do it more often, but we actually sat the entire morning and listened to two recordings back and just bantered with each other about the improvements that they could be making. And uh, real, realizing that that is something that I definitely want to be putting out there. So I'm gonna be working on finding somebody to sit with me here in the office and record that kind of stuff because okay. the, the banter back and forth about just yeah. a little pivot points. Like because I mean, even me, like if I if I'm on a call, I'm going to Monday morning quarterback that call and I'm going to that's one of the ways I make myself better. You know, one of the I think one of the true signs I would say of a great acquisitions rep is somebody who's going to listen back to their their appointment or listen back to their call on their own without any prompting. And and it's an amazing thing to do as a team to go through with your team. If you have a team in your office, if you have one employee to just go through your calls and their calls and and do that. And I got to do that yesterday. We're going to be doing that a couple times a week now moving forward. And it was yep. a lot of fun, and uh, and and I can already see the energy in my team just increase tenfold from doing that. So I, I consider that a win.
1: Yeah, that's huge. That's huge, and I think as well, it's the fastest way to learn, right? Being on the phone and the skill and and of 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 closing deals, because and that goes for us as well, right? The team, but for us, like there's times when I think I've absolutely nailed a call, and then what happens is, <laughs> um, I think I nailed the call, and I'll listen back to it and go. Why did I say that? I can't remember saying that. Oh, I should have done here. I should have pivoted. I could have said that. And you 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 learn so much faster by doing that. But I love that bringing the team in and creating that. Um, Yes, I think that's a that's a huge win.
0: I don't. Okay, so the three of us are in a different group. Um, We're we're in a a, like a brotherhood mastermind that is not business technically related. It's more just being better at being a person being better at being a man being better at being at business, right? Yeah. And I'm not sure if you I don't know if you guys on the call or not. But there was a call we just did recently talking about sales. And um, a lot of us who've been doing this for years, it was one of the things they, they had mentioned was unconscious competence. I don't know if I've brought this up in the last conversation we had or not we yeah. are able to do things, and we can't explain why we do them. And we probably don't even know why we do them when it comes to sales, when we pivot, when we have when we have responses to something somebody says, that's, that's an amazing response. It's like right off the cuff. It's like a comedian that can, when you heckle them, they just come back at you right with with these yeah. one liners, these zingers that that knock you off your toes. Well, as as, as acquisitions people, I know myself, I can do that. But it's it's literally from years of doing that, listening back to the call, Monday morning quarterback in the conversation, going through my head, could I have said this differently or that differently? Those are the things that I think ultimately make a good closer. A good closer isn't necessarily born. I think we have a certain gut instinct right out of the gate, but we hone that instinct. We hone the hunt and the drive through the years to the point where it just happens. You know, you poke the bear, the bear bites you, and it's instantaneous, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. and 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 the, the beauty is as well with closing is that everyone has their own technique right you've got like the hard clothes you've got the soft clothes you've got the more personal person uh there's, there's different ways um and i think what i always teach is to be you right there's certain mm. phrases that you can use there's certain positioning that you can use there's certain questions you can frame and you can learn that but at the end of the day you can't be david dodge or don Custer you've got to be you and you've got to put <laughs> You've got to put your own spin on it, right? Well, and that's
0: um, that, that's a fantastic point because Dave and Dodge and Don Coster are two uniquely different people. Dave is high absolutely. energy to yes. the point. I'm 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 a I'm, I'm somebody I'm going to speak less. I'm going to ask a question, yep. and you're not going to hear from me for an hour if I'm going to let you talk because you're going to tell me all yep. the ways to close you. So yep. we we're we're gonna Dave and I are going to close completely differently, completely totally differently. If you if you sit with this in a room, you'll see exactly why. Yeah. And um, ultimately, at the end of the day, we're both successful at it.
1: 100 percent. yeah
2: so. Hey, speaking of that guys i was i was with that group that we're talking about that multiple or the, that mastermind group um over the last two days and um one of the guys in the group one of my favorite people of all time gary boomershine was in there and he had a really really good tip can we take that comment down just for a second we'll add it right back yeah cool oh, perfect Just says i can't see myself and it's freaking me out <laughs> <laughs> uh Gary said when he hires a new guy for acquisitions, right, a new doesn't have to be guy, guy, girl, a new person for acquisitions. And right away, right, when he gets them on onboarded and gets them going, um, and, and maybe you guys are doing this. I hadn't really heard this prior. So I was actually like very impressed. And, uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to probably start doing this as well. But he tells them, hey, just go get me some contracts. I don't care what the price is it doesn't even have to be a discounted price go get me some contracts get comfortable closing and talking to sellers and getting the contract out and signing those contracts with the people now this is not this is assuming it's in person you know they're running appointments not necessarily virtual but it doesn't even really matter right because if they go a week or two and they can't get anybody to sign a contract even at the price they want that person is probably not a good fit for his organization and his business. And you know I hadn't really thought of that. And I'm just thinking, man, that's such a great tool. So obviously you wanna try to get some discount, maybe even just 10 or 15%, because at that point you can negotiate them down, right? But if they can't get the seller to sign a contract at the number the seller wants or close to it, How do you expect them to be able to go get a contract at 50 or 60 cents on the dollar? So, just a side nugget there. You know, if you guys are trying to build your business and you're not a one man show and you do have an acquisitions person or a team, you know, or just somebody that's helping you and they're new, maybe implement that strategy. Hey, go out and try to get me some contracts right away. That's your number one goal. Obviously, you're going to train that person and work alongside that person. But if they can't close, right then they're probably not the right person for the sales role
0: so there's two things he's looking for and i just want to break that down because it's it's not usually communicated and i've been really thinking this thing through a lot there's two things he's looking for one is can the person control the conversation and can the person control the the steps the process of the sales cycle which is getting them to a number and then getting them to a contract. And what you're saying is that ultimately doesn't matter really what that number is, just can they get them to the contract? So can the person maintain control or do they lose control? Because if you're losing control, you're not getting to the finish line. You're getting verbals and they're going dark on you and all that kind of stuff like that. And then second, if the person is maintaining control, are they asking for the the close? Because somebody might might maintain control all the way through and then not ask for the close. You know, are they missing that step or do they get to that step and do they chicken out? Do they talk the seller out of it? You know, that kind of thing. So can they maintain control through the conversation and through the steps and get it to the finish line? And then once they get to that point where they're going to cross that finish line, can they ask for that close? And that's what he's ultimately looking for. Mm. Does that person have those basic capabilities? And if they do, then I'm sure he feels like he can train to do anything.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's good. I think the other thing is, though, as well, I've not heard of that. and I don't. I'm not saying that I disagree because I think there's a purpose to that. But I also feel as well from actually doing the business in the right ways. If, if they are locking contracts up high, right, to 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 get that contract, right, because that's the goal is to is to get comfortable with with getting contracts signed. But it's also the positioning on that. Like you don't want to be coming in saying, "Hey, we can guarantee this, and we're going to close, and we're going to do this." So I think there's definitely got to watch there for people listening that you're not coming in giving it the the guarantee when you know probably you're yeah. going to have to because if you come in like it, you we will only give the guarantee when we know like we know our numbers we know we're buying this thing like we know it's a home run then we'll say we'll close we'll close next week because we know we're going to do that where if you know that the numbers are tight you need to be saying that to the seller, like hey i know you want 80 i know we wanted 60. We might be able to make 80 work. We need to get access to the property. Let's see what we can do. Let's go ahead. We'll send you out the contract, but we do need to do more due diligence and hopefully we can reach your number. Now, all we've done there is basically give us a soft close to say, there's a good chance when I come back to you. I wanted 60 originally and I need to now get to that number. Right. So the seller, it's not like a shock to the system. So anyone that's new watching, I'd just throw that out there. Well. Yeah,
0: no, I agree one hundred percent. So looks like we lost Dave for a minute. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. he'll be back. I'm going yeah. to throw, throw this question up here. So, do you recommend buying a home right now in these times, or sitting back waiting in hopes that the market will drop? It seems these days, average mortgage uh is about two k a month plus bills. um <clears throat> So, i you know, I'm not entirely sure what the question is. If you're talking about buying your own personal residence, or you're talking about um, buying a property for um, Fix and flip. Yep. I will say I just recently bought a personal residence. Um, they talk about this openly. I paid retail, it makes me sick. It that's totally against every every religious I, I have.
1: I did when I bought mine as well. Yeah. So
0: when you find you are never gonna find your your perfect house mm-hmm. um <laughs> through a deal, usually. Yep. But, and I just recently did, and and ultimately my situation. And the way I'm doing it and the way I position myself, if the market does um, have any correction, I will I will be fine in that property. I, I may lose a little bit of the money I put into it in equity, but I'm okay with that. It's a home that it, I don't mind keeping for a lot of years. So uh, my situation was one that that just made sense. It could it potentially be a bad investment. That's fine, but I'm in a position to make a bad investment.
1: Yeah. So, um, so
0: your situation is going to be different. Go ahead, Gavin.
1: No, yeah, and I, I agree. I mean, I, I'm trying to buy a house in Phoenix right now and I'm I'm buying retail and I've been offering fifty six, I've been offering 50 K on two homes over asking to try and get in. Well, my play is exactly the same. I look at the payment, I'm putting a 30 year mortgage on it, so I'm holding it. I'm gonna bring 20 25% down and I'm in it for the long haul. The market goes, I know it's gonna be back eventually. Mm-hmm. Um so again, I'm not bothered, but on the investment side, I think it's a personally. As long as you're, if you're talking from a fix and flip, uh, I'm I'm all about buying. Uh, but it's all about what you buy at. You make money when you buy. And uh, yeah, the market's crazy, but also the prices are high. So your spreads can be bigger. And our goal for us, Don, and I don't know about you, is that we want to sell. Uh, we want to be in and out in 12 weeks, right? We want to list it within four to eight weeks and have it sold within 12 um, or faster. That's our goal. Now, Damn. if we take a flip, that's going to take us eight months. i Well, I've already told you on the last call. I bottled two of them. I didn't do it. I would have had two million locked up for eight to ten months, and I didn't. I no. I went gun shy, and I took the wholesale fees on them. So yeah, that's that's my take.
0: No, and I agree one hundred percent. You here, here here's where people lost their asses, for lack of a better term, in the two thousand eight situation, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Uh-huh it was speculation, right? They were betting the market, they were buying the property at or above retail with the anticipation that the property was going to increase in value by the time they had renovated it, or it was built, some people were buying dirt, right? And and then the house is gonna be built, and then they're going to be able to sell it and make a profit. And that's ultimately the Achilles heel, you start to get comfortable, you think it's never going to end, you let your guard down and you start buying stupid. I did the same thing, I positioned myself stupidly, and I lost a lot of money because you never think it's going to end. And so no matter what your strategy is, whether it's sub two, buy and hold, fix and flip, um, you know, creative, like I said, or, you know, you're buying straight out cash, um, ultimately, at the end of the day, you have to make sure that you're positioning yourself days back, um, you have to make sure you're positioning yourself in that property. So if there is a market correction, you are going to be fine you know, in in Fresno, in in the Central Valley, we we dropped about 25% in value. So if you're buying a property, and you're all in that property, and you're 70% of the current ARV, let's just say all in using the typical Mayo that's out there, and you're going to have that as a buy and hold, or a fix and flip, and the market corrects, you know, 25%, like it did last time, you should hypothetically be okay and get out at least break even, right. And so as long as you're using logic and math numbers, real numbers, you should be all right uh, Moving forward, if you're buying an investment property of any kind, long term, like I agree with Gavin, 100 day turn times is the only thing we're going to touch. The market's not gonna correct that self that much, correct that much in 100 days. So nothing that's going to be a year, I'm not doing it. Um, I don't think the market's going to tank in a year, I think there's too much money out there. I think, yep. that, I think that they're gonna be doing too many crazy things. I think we got a few years in us, but still I'm not gonna get anything long-term.
1: Yeah, and and I wanna say as well, I think with that question, you know, um, sitting, sitting back and waiting, I just think it's the worst thing you can do in anything, right, you've yeah. gotta get your mindset and you've gotta to act today, uh, always. Always act today and you pivot, and change to the circumstances that's in front of you um and i do that every day right we didn't know a pandemic was gonna hit so when the pandemic hit and everyone starts freaking out we change we make adjustments and then we move forward um and i think that's the way to be because if you sit back and waiting you could be waiting forever so you gotta go yeah
0: so another question here um I just started driving for dollars while I DoorDash, which is very cool. What is the best CRM to organize my leads in Deal Machine? Um, was that E R I E R E C T? I'm
2: not I'm sure. Etc. Okay. Et right.
0: I thought it, I, I was. I was thinking it was an app for a second. Okay, <laughs> never mind. Uh, threw me off. You got
2: a little bourbon in that coffee? I, door, I might. Guy? I might
0: have some bourbon in that coffee. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm totally new starting out. Uh, I also have a, a, have a how to best access a vacant uh, list question in my area. So go ahead and ask your vacant list question here, just throw it in here and we'll pop it up. Deal Machine's the the most popular one out there right now. It's the most robust. I don't know um Dave, do you use uh, batch driven or uh Gavin?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I do some stuff with batch I use both of them. Yep. Yeah. I use both of them. So you can organize your leads in Deal Machine or Batch Driven. Already, like it has like a mini CRM. Now, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles that the big CRMs are going to have, right? Um, it's going to be limited, but let's talk about let's drop that question just for a second. I'm going to hide that. Let's talk about, you know, the, um, the purpose of a CRM, right? The purpose of a CRM in, you know, 80 20 principle 80% of the reason that we use a CRM is to take notes on our leads. And then to create a task to follow up with them, right? That's really 80% of why I'm ever in a CRM or anybody on my team. Now, of course, we can tag each other and we can put our notes, you know, we can do our analysis and add that in there, but adding notes on what's going on, you know, when's the last time I talked to them? What do we talk to them about? When's the next time I should talk to them? And then created a task to follow up, right? That's the main thing. So if you wanna go get, you know, a CRM that's got all these bells and whistles, that's great. And and in fact, I think everybody on this call probably highly recommends it. I know I do. But the great thing about Deal Machine and Batch Driven, and again, I use both of them. They're both great tools. Um, They both have the ability to add notes and tasks. So in theory, you could organize all of your Driving for Dollars leads in those apps. Now, if you want the additional bells and whistles and, you know, tools, you're going to probably want to take those and put those into an additional CRM or another CRM. That's the yep. short answer.
1: I, and I think for any CRM, there's three things you just kind of touched on them Was the status that needs to change, right? Uh, you, I'm getting a load of feedback again. Is someone replaying?
2: Nope. It's just you. No, there's, I, I, can hear
0: the, I can hear the feedback a little bit, but go ahead. You're good
1: okay um the status creating a task and updating the notes they're the three things that that you absolutely need in your crm obviously if you're doing auto responders and things like that and and you can really get into it but to keep it basic they're the basic things the other thing is as well to that particular question i think using a deal machine or whatever you're you're using you can keep organized in there and that works as long as you're not doing any other marketing if you start to do third-party marketing that's where deal machine's not going to work anymore that's when you need a crm because your crm is the hub of the business and your marketing channels will all feed into that crm to keep you organized um so i just don't like to the crm is important i guess um but it's not going to make you money it keeps you organized right and i think there's a key key there so if you're new try not overthink it if that if if deal machine's working for you and it's keeping you organized and you can do them three things of status notes okay and creating a task and then roll with that make some money and then when you start adding marketing channels, you need to get into a crm
0: i i someone have a little bit different opinion to to degree i think i think that you should try to have a crm um implemented in your organization from almost day one um, one, because it's a lot harder to try to clean up a mess when you're in the middle of the weeds. Um, it is and, and to learn a program. I think if you have the ability, there's some free ones out there, if you have the ability to get in and start to learn it as you go, and start to track things as you go, I think it's very important. Uh, a lot of us are entrepreneurs, we don't do that. I'm the king. Uh, somebody somebody made a comment one time like, I'm, I'm in a bulldozer, and I'm just plowing everything down and leaving uh, destruction behind me. And um, right. You know and that's that's how we are as entrepreneurs and we that's why we build teams to clean up our messes for us but ultimately at the end of the day if you can get in the habit of you know being organized and documenting and being in a crm um in the long term you're going to be able to bring a team in around you it's going to be able to utilize that to help you become very very successful and my crm makes me a ton of money so much money it's ridiculous i can count over two hundred thousand dollars just in january that my, my CRM made me because my CRM has documented every single lead that's ever come in my organization in the last I don't know how many years. And follow up is my most profitable marketing channel out there. And we've been back one, two, three years in our CRM and bought stuff that's been in there for, you know, 36 months or more right now in this market because the comp has changed because the the all, the ARV has changed not because the seller situation has changed they wanted the same amount of money in some cases they want a little bit more but we were able to buy because that property went up 20 30 40 thousand dollars in value and now we were able to either wholesale it or flip it so i certainly yep. made a ton of money so i'm not completely disagreeing with you gavin but i just want to throw that that I, contrary thought out there
1: no absolutely uh, but i also feel that the crm is uh people hide behind it
0: they, okay they, business so that's my other, answer, i agree
1: exactly so that's my other concern when i asked that and again if he was on and we were talking to him we'd know what type of person he is where if he's going to be kind of like an introvert he's going to be like oh yeah i want to crm and i'm just going to live in there and not do anything and make any money right True. so yeah i i think i 100 agree with I- you
0: from a coaching standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, don't overcomplicate it, just take action. The simpler you put yourself, the better. I agree with that a thousand percent. From a business standpoint and building your future standpoint. Uh,
1: yes, there we go. Yeah. All right. So and I agree with that as well. Because yeah. it is a nightmare to move. So yeah, yeah.
0: All right. So yeah, have it was uh so Matt threw another question. How'd I find a, a, and how'd I find them buy a vacant list, like what company to purchase from? Um there are a lot of them out there uh that, that have vacants do you guys use anybody in particular
1: yeah we've got actually um what you could do matt is uh if you go to uh i think i've got it here actually if you go to uh closers slash closes you can actually pull a free vacant list from there we have like five thousand records that you can have for free uh so that's one of the the resources that i use um also um guys we use PropStream as well um
0: we have a link in here for PropStream as well so
1: oh yeah so there's the other thing if you go to that follow that link propstreampro.com closers uh you can get a free trial and uh check that out as well but there, are are two resources um that i like guys and then and then there's obviously a lot more right this list source and, and and we could go go in and in and in into into more things so
0: no, for the, for the money, uh, Batch or PropStream, both, especially both of them have, you know, Batch has some free leads, PropStream has a free trial, I would check them both out, honestly, see which one you like better, is what yeah. I would do if I were you, is go into both of them, see which one you like, like to play in better, and uh, and ultimately choose the ones to be best for you. <clears throat> They're both reasonably priced. At the end of the day, when you're pulling lists through a company like ListSource, you're talking about 10 to 12 cents a lead, that stuff adds up significantly um being able to go into either one of these other services on a monthly basis and regular basis comp your properties pull your list do all those other crazy things ultimately it's a game changer
2: Yeah. yep even though even if you're able to get a discount code i remember for years and years i got a discount code for list source i get think it was out. through yellow letter hq that had given me the the code and it, and it brought the price of the leads in list source from like you know like you said down 10 or 11 cents down to like three cents which is a substantial discount but you can still get those leads over in, you know, batch leads or prop stream for like a penny at this point, they're like a penny. So that's gonna probably be your most cost effective approach to get leads, uh, especially the vacants. I mean, the vacants, the vacant leads are, man, I don't know about you guys, but I would say 75% or more of the deals that we're buying in my market here in the Midwest and Missouri are vacant houses. Now they may or may not be on the vacant list, but when I buy them, there's nobody living in them. They're vacant houses, right? Yeah. And the USPS is actually the one that marks houses as vacant or not. So that data, the vacant data is actually coming from the United States Postal Service. But here's, I
0: here's, here's something I learned that takes about six months for that. To update. To... To, to update. So it property is going to be vacant for almost you, six months before it updates in, 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 in the USPS um, file, which means D4D, D4D, you're going to be the first one to see it, right? D4D. D D, for That's right.
2: That's exactly right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, PropStream uh, batch batch leads both great, great resources. Um, I use both of those daily. You know, literally, I use them both daily. And uh, they have great data. It's super cost effective
1: yeah for sure um and and again if you want to get them trials guys just do slash closers okay and uh you'll be hooked up with some free stuff um no that's good so what are the questions do we have another question don sorry i flipped over let me see
0: uh i don't think we do right now actually so a couple of comments but no questions all
1: right um so what else then are you guys uh kind of working on what's uh How's our How's business looking for you?
2: Business has been good. You know, it's, it's really hard to get a house right now at 50 or 60 cents on the dollar, like we typically like to buy just because the market's so hot. Um, but we're still buying deals. In fact, we contracted one yesterday, we contracted two or three last week. Um, in fact, I think right now pending deals that we're closing, you know, it's somewhere around 12 or 14 deals that we have in the pipeline right now. And these are buy and hold, by the way, this isn't wholesales or even flicks and yeah. flips. This is, you know, let's call it, let's call it 14. I think we're at 14 right now. We have 14 pending rentals. So there's still deals out there, even with this market and its current craziness and, and the conditions that we're facing with, you know, supply shortages, there are still deals to be had out there. You just got to market. You got to get up and and, and make some noise and 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 let people know that you are interested in buying properties. And I would say of the 14 that's pending, you know, in in my business, I would say. Nine, maybe 10 were referrals. They weren't from a cold call or a postcard or a cold text. Um, They were referrals from agents that had listings or new people and for whatever reason, either the owner seller, it's the same person, right? The owner or the seller either didn't want to list the property or the agent didn't want to mess with it because the condition was bad, right? Most of the properties that I'm buying, not all, but most, they need 20 grand worth of work or more. Some are 30, 40, 80 grand, right? Now we're not buying rentals that need 80 grand. Typically we like to see, you know, less than 30,000 of rehab on rentals. Uh, Typically though, we're putting in, you know, about 15 to 20, I think our average over the last 100 rental properties that we bought, the average is about 18 grand worth of rehab. So the point that I'm trying to make here though, guys, is do not underestimate the value of networking. Networking is so incredibly important. You're going to get leads from it. The more you do it, the longer you're in this business and the more noise you make, the more people are going to know that you're in the business and the more people are going to know that you buy houses and the more people are going to bring you deals. And another great thing about networking is it doesn't cost any money to network. So if you're new to this game, guys, and you don't have, you know, two or three or five grand a month or 30 grand a month, whatever, you know, uh, to put into a marketing budget. So your phone starts ringing, right? You either need to get some, some, you know, do some efforts to bring other people's phones or get out to the local real estate clubs or network with real estate agents. Or, I mean, it's not even just real estate agents that you can network with, right? So, I mean, I could probably name at least five to 10 different types of people to network with. So if you're looking for other people other than agents, network with property management companies, network with title companies. I probably get one call a week from a various from the various title companies around St. Louis, um, letting me know that the seller showed up to close and the buyer didn't. So do you have a motivated seller that's ready to go and they can't sell it and they want to. So what do they do? They connect me with that person and I go out and I say, hey, You know, I don't know if you were gonna be able to, if you were gonna get an offer higher than where I'm at, but here's where I'm at. Boom, it gets me my foot in the door. So, you know, property management companies, title companies, probate attorneys, divorce attorneys, and the list goes on and on and on. So anybody and everybody that are dealing with homeowners, you know, dealing with distress situations, there it is, REI Network, guys, the importance of networking. It is so incredibly important. Yeah, At the end of the sure. day, it requires time to network, not money, right? If, you know, unless you're talking about your gas, come on, right? You're going to be yeah, yeah. traveling anyway, right? But, but even the, if you're virtual, you can still network. You can still, even your if phone. you're virtual, you can yeah. still network, right? And really, networking doesn't have to be done in person. And I think that's where Gavin's headed with this, yeah. right? You can get on the phone, pick up the phone, call the title companies in your area, call the property management companies. I think my first five deals, you know, when I started in this business full time six, seven years ago, my first five deals were from property managers, right? Sometimes you have people that have that have a, a rental property and they have a management company and they may or may not live near that property. And if that property gets trashed, they may not have the money to fix that property up. So the property manager is basically taking care of that vacant property while the owner is either finding finding the resources to fix it up or they're trying to find a seller, or I'm sorry, a buyer to come fix this problem for them. So if you yeah. can contact the property managers and just say, hey, you know, I'm looking to buy some deals. Do you have any properties that are in limbo right now? Right? They either, you know, you can't rent them or you're waiting on the seller or the, the owner of that property to come in and fix them up. So you can, and, you're, and they're just in limbo, maybe they're interested in selling. So prop. Um, Networking with any other individual that may be involved in some way, shape, or form in real estate or in or dealing with people that own real estate make for amazing lead sources.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So,
0: Absolutely. what seems to what seems like the best marketing for you to find these leads? Um, <clears throat> we said this last week the marketing yeah. that you do,
2: yeah, yeah, that's such a that is Don. I love that. Okay. Yeah, we marketing it that you do any the that, or any, the one you
1: focus on, right? The one, the you, the focus one you focus on. Focus on. Yeah. Here's,
2: the, here's the thing, guys. There is probably a hundred ways to go about finding motivated sellers. There's probably three or four hundred ways, but there's about a hundred proven ways that everybody on this on this call here, you know, is, is essentially doing at some point in their business, and it's the one that you do that is well gonna, let's
1: ask this what's your number one day what's your number one marketing source
2: i would say right now it's a it's a mix between cold calling and cold texting and i group them together because it's basically skip tracing leads from wherever it could be driving for dollars could be list pulled from batch or prop trim or whatever but then we're we're reaching out it's it's outbound marketing on our end okay. which requires time and money to get those leads so i group those yeah. together However, things are changing. So, you know, in two months from now, it may not be that, right? But right now it's cold calling and cold texting um, in general.
1: Mine's cold calling is my number one. Again, because that's what we mainly focus on. We do a little bit of texting. We do a little bit of direct mail, but number one is cold calling. But again, that's where my efforts go. And then Don, what are you? Are you direct mail?
0: So I'm direct mail and cold calling. And I I just actually, Did, did a little exercise here recently where we went through in and in and dug in really heavily in all our marketing channels and and in, in. so I break my my direct mail into split tests right <clears throat> same thing with cold calling different things like that we split test lists and so um direct cold calling um, is my number one channel closing right now for closed contracts this year my number one channel for closed contracts this year um as a single um single channel but <coughs> if you take direct mail, and follow-up and you take follow-up on direct mail there are multiple skip there's multiple lists multiple campaigns combined that beat out cold calling totally but that's a combination of, of fresh direct mail and and follow-up so uh but ultimately the one that stands out on the top of the list is, is cold calling right now
1: yeah because at sense. the end of the day if you're talking to people you're making money that's the thing if you're not yeah. i tell all my clients if you're not on one of these you're not making money so um that's why i like it um i don't like to wait for the phone to ring i like to get it ringing right um and that's why i like outbound marketing but there's more effort to it there is there's more effort there's more follow-up uh you're not going to close things as quickly as a potentially direct mail but your 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 roi return on investment is what i found is better uh with the outbound marketing But it's a little more work well it's definitely 100%. more work yeah
0: so you know and and i did direct mail for pretty heavy for years i talk about this all the time you know between 2018 and 19 i sent out 2 million postcards you know when i do direct mail um
2: you you sent 2 million postcards postcards over two years over
0: two years so wow uh, you know and that i mean ultimately that was my number one marketing channel the only reason that i am more heavy i would say cold calling at this point in time is just because the sales cycles changed a little bit with covid and it's cheaper it's a cheaper way to deploy um but direct mail works really 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 well so um yeah so at the end of the day it's the one you do and the one i'm focused on most right now is cold calling um let me throw this up here so i just i just blocked out Dave's face um it's all good i'm not i'm
2: I'm still here guys (laughs) have you had
0: success leaving letters or flyers at vacant houses my thought was to leave one letter at the vacant house and possibly then leave letters at the neighbor's house next door and if they um happen to know the owner of the vacant houses, then skip trace. Uh <clears throat> these are houses in um was it five hundred K areas minimum and safe for me to walk up to. Okay. I'll drop this down. So I would uh first and foremost, you know. I don't know your market. I don't know if you're like in LA or the Bay Area when you're talking about 500k minimum. Um, I know in some places in Oakland, a 500k minimum house is not a safe neighborhood. Um, So I'm assuming you're probably that's that's probably high end in your market. Um, I I would, uh, if, if there's vacant properties in 500k neighborhoods, I mean, number one, hey, knock yourself out, go for that property, that's probably gonna be a home run for you. Um, If that's high end in your market, though, I'm gonna tell you right now, high end is it's it's a tough place to focus on if you're going to do any volume moving forward. Um, You know, your buyer pool is going to be smaller, if you're going to rehab it, your rehab is gonna take longer, your ROI is just not there for high end. Um, If that's the Bay Area or LA or New York or something where high end is just insane. uh, high prices are insane for um, let's see here so new jersey okay so new jersey north carolina um yeah so okay fair enough um so ultimately um i would just say the strategy sounds fine leave a letter there chances are they're probably not going to get it talk to the neighbor i wouldn't just leave a letter for the neighbor i'd knock on the door and have a conversation with the neighbors on each side and across the street uh leave a letter if you don't get a hold of them skip trace it it's all fantastic but uh, you know i would i would not just stay in that neighborhood i would would go in neighborhoods Hey, look Maybe it's me. I don't have the fear factor, but I'll go into sketchy neighborhoods and knock on doors, um, because I make the most money in in sketchy neighborhoods. I mean, ultimately, at the, end of the day, you buy a house for fifteen grand, you put you know forty into it, and you sell it for 150 175. You know, you're you're knocking it out of the park. So um, yeah, you know, your your ROI, right? Your your annualized ROI, your ROI on the project is off the chart. So.
1: Yeah, and I want to say, Matt, who asked that question, make sure that you are skip tracing it and you are looking it up, right? So in either, again, batch of PropStream are two examples where you can actually look up who owns the property and where they live. You can skip trace them, you can call them, and you can send them a mail to their mailing house about that vacant property. So make sure you're doing that as well. Um, But you need to be hitting it, I guess, from all angles. That's what I would say. And that goes as well for the driving for dollars for me as well. Like driving for dollars is a great list it's organic you built it and also it's it's a smaller list normally so i like to hit it with cold call text and direct mail because it's not gonna you're not pulling a list of five thousand people where you're going to do all of that we're talking maybe a couple hundred properties at a time when you do it so hit it in all marketing channels because you'll bring different leads in as well
0: yeah and uh You know if you want to get gangster it's got that really, nashville cough i had that yeah, too i got i got the national a national hit, right? <laughs> uh, if you i didn't get COVID though so but we're good. so uh if you want to get really gangster really this is like a gangster move put a house put a put a sign right in front of the house that says i want to buy this house got info call me at blah 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 put your
2: number on it it just man a i love that That's a great right in front of the house
0: yeah. yeah somebody's gonna have information they're gonna there want are
2: so to many uses to blank bandit signs if yes. you are new, I'd highly recommend you go buy 100, 200 banded signs. I mean, what's a banded sign cost, guys? I buy thousands of them at a time, so I don't even know, like a $1.50 or a $1. dollar. I mean, you could probably, probably get them locally at a sign shop, but if you go on like, I mean, there's some sites that we use, um, Signs on the Cheap I know is a really good one to get them really, really inexpensive. But buy blank ones, because from there you can, you can get a big fat Sharpie, right? And you can write, we buy houses with your number, and you can go put those out to get, motivated seller leads, you can put signs in the yard like Don just said, such an awesome approach, saying, I wanna buy this house with a freaking arrow and it's 10 feet from the front door, call me, right? You can use bandit signs to um, to find motivated buyers, right, the yeah. cash buyers. You get a house under contract, go find, you know, 10 telephone poles right around the area, you know, on the edges of the street and a couple streets over and the big intersection up the way. Saying, you know, three bedroom, two bath must sell and your number blank yep. bandit signs are one of the best tools for the newbies getting started because you can use them in multiple different ways to find those sellers, find those buyers, mm-hmm. maybe even find joint venture partners for somebody else that has a deal or has a buyer. Doesn't matter. Love that. Yep. Don, well, while we're on it, while something. we're on
1: with, um, with the, the signs as well, you can go to the auctions, right? uh, as well. And you can have a sign there. I got that from Brandon Simmons, a friend of mine, and he had like, Hey, Texas number, if you want to buy a deal today, because all these people at the auctions have got ready to go with cash. They're ready to bid, right? They're ready to go. So he used to pick up a very active buyers list, uh, by
2: doing that as well. Love it. Great approach, man. Great approach. Bandit signs are powerful guys. Do not discount the power of bandit signs.
1: And one Love more, it. one more is, and then we'll move on is if you're doing creative deals, Okay, your bandit sign can say something like we buy houses regardless of equity, okay? We buy houses regardless of equity is a good sign if you're doing any creative deals. So anyway,
2: that's what I love it, guys, we got some more questions. Let's keep it rocking. I have never used PropStream, but the cost is $100 a month just for access to the system, correct? And then you pay to pull lists and skip trace. So yes and no, it's 100 bucks a month for the basic package. Um, I believe that gives you app access. I've been a, I've been a customer for almost 2 years at this point. Um, so it's 100 dollars a month, but that includes Luke, that includes 10,000 exports. Mm-hmm. So basically you can get 10,000 leads included, not on top, included for that 100 bucks a month. So 10,000 divided by 100 is 1 penny. That means you're basically getting leads for 1 penny up to 10,000. If you wanna up that to 20,000, 50,000, 100,000, you can do so. There's an upcharge to do so. Uh, but 10,000 leads a month, assuming you're in one market, for most investors or small companies is more than enough. Like I don't, yeah. I barely go over 10, I think I pay for 100,000 leads uh, and I don't, I barely go over 10,000. I mean, most months it's less than that. Um, PropStream's great because they have the app. I'm sure Batch is working on theirs as well. And then the cost of skip tracing, no matter where you are, typically is gonna be a la carte extra. So again, yes and no, but uh, for hundred bucks a month, you get unlimited comps and unlimited data on running information on individual properties. So you're not limited to 10,000 know, comps or 10,000 property you know, record polls to, to, to view the data. It's only if you wanna export that data that, that you're capped at 10,000. And then again, the skip tracing is a la carte. I personally do all my skip tracing over in batch leads because they have the match savings. And I don't, maybe PropStream has it. I, I don't know, I can't uh, speak. Yeah, I know it does. I know
1: it does, uh, you can skip trace, but again, I don't use it for that personally. So Don, you might you might use it, but we, me and Dave both use batch, don't
0: we? We, we use skip force for skip tracing and they, they, they will remove the duplicates as well. Awesome. So yeah, so, so the match
2: savings done. is huge, guys. Again, PropStream may have that ability, but personally, I would never skip trace somewhere that doesn't. So yeah. like batch skip tracing is more of their a la carte platform, whereas batch leads, obviously, it's part of the batch services company, guys. They're using the same skip tracing as batch skip tracing over in batch leads but the match savings is huge. Literally last month I saved a thousand dollars, right? A thousand dollars on adding leads to skip trace that I already owned. I already own the data. So why pay for it twice? And in fact, I barely spent a thousand dollars. I don't even think I did last month. So I basically saved more money than I spent uh, by doing it over at batch. So highly recommend you guys check out batch leads for skip tracing. Don's uses skip force, I'm sure they're, just as good. Love no, it. They're, yeah, they're, but the match savings is really where it's at. That's the most important thing. And,
0: and, and let me just throw in there. That's assuming that all you do on PropStream is pull list, right? PropStream, um, you can comp, you can you can just, you can do all kinds of stuff. I mean, PropStream is revu- comp robust- Comp
2: skip trace, they have direct mail now. The yeah. mobile, I use the mobile app on PropStream more than I use any other feature with it. Right. Just because if I'm in the field or I'm headed to an appointment, I can pull it up. I can get information on, you know, what the estimated value is. Then I'll dive into the actual comps to determine my own estimated value. Um, and one of my favorite tools on there is is finding out what they owe. Like you can see the mortgages and any other liens, but also you can see if they have any like you know uh, unpaid taxes. And it's really really helpful going into a motivated seller appointment. Right, going out and viewing a property. I know Gavin doesn't do that a whole lot because he's the virtual one here. I'm kind of jealous, but I run a lot of my own appointments, right? And it's really nice to know when I'm out you know, at a property that you know in the back of my head, I know, hey, they, they, they most likely owe 130. They're asking 200. This would probably be a deal at 140. Can I get them below that? Because they only owe 130. So having that information is super valuable. Also, if you know going into an appointment that they haven't paid taxes in two or three years, I wouldn't lead with that. I wouldn't say, oh, hey, Mr. Seller, I, I noticed on my way over here that you hadn't paid your taxes. Probably not the wisest thing to lead with or talk about, but again, if you know that information, right? You know that they there is some motivation there. There is some some level of distress. And they may not tell you that. Oftentimes they probably won't, but you know, going in that that there could be liens, you may know what they're what they owe on those liens, and then also you know if they're going to be current or not on their taxes. So just those little tips and tricks are super yep. helpful. And you know, it gives you kind of you know some power. In your in your ability to negotiate and you know and make those offers
1: yeah absolutely i always like to ask as well like because the mortgage when you ask someone the mortgage if they don't know you they don't want to give that information so you know we often say hey is there a mortgage that we need to pay off at closing if we buy this house they will say yes well what is that Oh, we owe a hundred thousand okay how much do you want to walk away with at, at closing so if you're trying to get an offer, like, where is the seller at? This is a good way without saying, well, what do you want, Mr. Seller? How much will you take? You can back off from the mortgage. It's 100K. Mr. Seller, how much do you want to walk away with? Oh, I want to walk away with 20 grand. Well, guess what? They're at the 120 mark. That's what their offer is. So that's a, another trick in the sales cycle to actually get an offer from the seller without saying, hey, Mr. Seller, what what will you, you know, what do you want for this house? Man, Kevin,
2: that is phenomenal advice, guys. Let me let me let me tell you one of my like favorite tools when I'm out on an appointment with a seller: change your framing. And another way to word this is change your mindset. Just change the way you think about things for a second. So I never go out to a seller and sit down with them after you know. Typically, I'll I'll walk the property first, and I'll and and we'll talk about the repairs, and I'll and I'll sometimes I'll even hand my repair sheet to the seller, and I'll say, "Hey, let's do this together." you know, let's go around and let's find all the items that, you know, are going to need to be fixed or repaired or updated. Right. But then once we sit down at the table, it's never me versus the seller. And if you have that mindset, you're going to fail or or you're just not going to be as, as successful, of course. Right. I wouldn't say fail, but you're not going to be as successful. A way to really improve your closing percentages. Right. That's what this is all about. Closing deals here. Right. Is to change your whole framing and your whole mindset to talk about the fact that it's not me versus you. Instead, it's me and you. Me and you, Mr. or Mrs. Seller, versus the market. So it's not just like, I'm gonna make you this offer and it's me versus you. Instead, it's me and you versus the market. And here's how you do it. You sit down with them and you run comps. Bring your phone, bring your laptop, pull up PropStream or or batch leads and run those comps. And you can, you know, collectively, you can say, hey, wouldn't you agree that a three-bedroom, two-bath in this neighborhood, fixed up—not current condition, but fixed up—is going to be equal to a you know two hundred thousand, right? You can find five or six comparables that have sold recently that are that have sold for two hundred thousand. There's really no like it's not opinion-based necessarily. It's kind of factual. Like, wouldn't shouldn't we agree that that the two hundred thousand is the number that it's that we're that you know that it's going to be worth? when we're all done. All right, great. Now as an investor, I'm gonna discount this a little bit because I don't do this for free. This is a profit business for me. And I'm you know, i, I I'm, I'm an investor, I'm gonna make a profit. So I'm gonna discount it then. Then take off the repairs. Now you have your MAO, right? Or your number. And if you wanna increase your repairs to cover your wholesale fee, whatever it may be, or another approach is to increase your spread a little bit to cover the wholesale fee. I don't typically like talking about wholesale fees when I'm trying to be transparent with the seller. Right, but regardless, you now come up with your M A O. So whenever you get that number and you you use the calculator and you're writing this down on a piece of paper in front of them, it's not a shock when they see that low number because again, it's not like me versus you. Instead, it's me and you versus the market. So the way I approach it is, I say, guys, you know, I say, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, you know, I'm gonna show you how investors make offers, and I am an investor. So this offer that that we come up with together is not only my offer. And I'm here right today, right now, but it's also going to typically be how all the other investors are going to determine that offer amount and sellers love this. They love the transparency and oftentimes it prevents them from calling three or four or five more investors to try to get those offers because I'm teaching them how the offers are made not only by me, but by everybody right then and there. So when they see that number, you know you've started with those comps in the in that ARv and you've agreed on that and then you've broken down how those offers are made and i'm just telling you whenever you do that it is going to increase your ability to close your transactions tenfold a little bit good good
1: Don what you got
0: uh we got a few questions here let me go back to this one so, with 5 million people in foreclosure and only 2 million were delinquents in OA. do you think in late 2020 we will have crazy amount of, of foreclosures? Um, I don't. <clears throat> and I was the guy who said that the sky was kind of probably going to fall when COVID hit. I'm the one that said, you know, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And, and I did. I shored up my house, uh, you know, laid the foundation for stuff to fall apart. And it didn't. Um, and as I'm watching what the market's doing, the amount of money that the government is pumping into the market, the lessons that we learned from 2008. 2008- um, I don't think we're going to have a flood of foreclosures. I think there's going to be a ton of foreclosures. I think the banks are going to be a lot more purposeful in working with people through modifications. They're more prepared to do that this time around. Um, I think that any foreclosures that happen, um, they'll be they'll be uh, in fact, we we're just having this conversation, you know, with, with a group of investors the other day, um, and we're all kind of on the same page, I think that we're going to be um, seeing them dripped out very slowly. Um, You know, in 2008, there was a lot of shadow inventory where banks basically held on to properties um, in a backlog for quite a few years and leaked leaked them out slowly into the public. So it didn't completely destroy the market. I think we're going to see a lot more of that this time. Um, So I I don't, I'm not as much, the sky is falling at this point in time. I think there's so many things in play right now that there is an impact and people are going to be losing their homes and stuff's going to happen i don't think we're going to see the impact of it um the way we did in 2008 i just don't i think that i think that uh i i just think there's going to be too much you know going on that we're not going to see that's going to prevent us from from having the impact we had in 2008 but that's my opinion
2: yeah Kevin, what do you think
1: i i I mean i i find it hard to comment on it really because my whole mindset is that i mean they've been saying it's coming been crashing what for like two three years now right and he just keeps going up um so my opinion is that something will be there will be an correct there will be an a correction Is the right word uh at some point um but I believe if you buy right if you, you can't lose right if you're wholesale you can't lose if you're um buying on seller finance, owner finance, you're locking in the mortgages, if you're doing wraps, whatever, and it's cash flowing, okay, and it's on a long-term period, you can't lose. If you're flipping and you're in and out within eight to 12 weeks, you can't lose. And then what happens is, as it starts to go, if if the mortgage rates go up, I believe the mortgage rates have got to change and they've got to start going in the other direction. And that's when things will start to turn, in my opinion, right, when we start to see that, that's when I'm going to be more paying more attention to it. Um, I just don't, I just, I just don't look at it too much guys. I know, I know we're here to answer that question cause it's scary. People are investing right now, but if you buy, right, you can, you, you can't lose cause you can get out and you can sell and make your money and you go on to the next one,
2: So, um, man, that is such a great, point. Guys. you make your money. When you buy, you yeah. get paid when you sell. And that's why my brand is called Discount Property Investor, because we buy all of our property at a discount and you should, too. If you buy at a good price, you're protected. Right. So, Gavin, I agree 100 percent. Don, I don't disagree with what you said. I just don't know. Right. It, 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 that's a tough one. Definitely a tough yeah. one for sure. Um, I don't think that the banks are going to flood the market with these foreclosures. Because what's that going to do to the value of the property they're trying to sell? It's going to tank it. I mean, think about it. If you are a bank and you got 200,000 properties in foreclosure at your at your big bank, are you going to just put them all out for sale tomorrow? Hell no, because then it's going to tank the market. So they're going to probably put these out, you know, slowly drip them out. Um, Is it going to have an effect? Yeah, of course, it's going to have some effect because we haven't had Tons of foreclosures recently due to COVID. But I don't think it's gonna tank the market. That's my two cents on it.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I agree. And, and nobody knows. Well, nobody nobody knew that COVID was going to make the market go crazy and insane. You know, nobody knew that. So yep. everything everything is an educated guess and a bet. And that's that's it's an important thing to throw out there. So um let's see here.
1: I've I've got one of my acquisition guys actually on. I'm glad he said he was eating lunch and he's gonna get back on the phone. <laughs> so Scotty Free, how you doing? But i want to bring a question that he brought up here Scotty asked me oh he first asked this so yeah i'm heading to alabama so i'll see you tomorrow um and then this question here how do you guys feel about comps at PropStream stream and batch so we use a lot zillow we do use zillow uh, for solds um especially because we can pull you know comps in in in, in one of our areas but what are you guys using to pull comps and what do you feel about the two that he's asking um
0: okay so first i want to point out that you said that when you use comps for zillow you didn't say the estimate you said you're using sold solds okay good i want to point that well, out yeah. yes I want to make sure that people are hearing that because the estimate is generally garbage right now right now it might be a good bet because the market's on fire but typically it's garbage um and then um ultimately like, for the markets that we're, we have mls access we're ultimately using the mls because nothing beats the mls nothing you know at the end of the day we're in, you know we're in states right now where we don't have mls access we're using PropStream and tax records um to pull comps and comps at the end of the day they're an educated guess i mean you know it, it's a little bit of experience it's a little bit of gut it's a little bit of a, of a roll of the dice to a certain degree um, as long as you're doing it smart um and you're staying within major cross streets Um, you're staying within a subdivision that's built in 1960, you're not betting a subdivision built in 2005, those kind of things, Um, you're generally going to get it right. And um, so you know, Zillow solds are a great way to do that. Prop stream and you know, is a great way to do that. Um, Just don't be going too far out. And don't be making making sure they're like properties in year and size and square footage and beds and baths. And you're you should be okay. So
2: yep. I agree completely. I agree completely. Sometimes prop stream, um, I have noticed that, like, for example, you know, a property like we just we just locked one up yesterday. It has a value of about 120. It's a little rental, three bedroom, two bath, very small, nine hundred square foot house. Um, and the estimate was like one oh five. And and we ran our own comps and the uh the value is probably around 115, 120. However, it's listed for sale right now. So it's actually an on-market property. It's a short sale and it's only listed for like 60,000. So of course PropStream is gonna change their number to say, well, the value isn't 120 if it's actually on sale listed right now for 60, right? So in that scenario, the Zestimate was closer. But I wouldn't, I think the, I think the takeaway here is don't just look at one. Don't look at the zestimate. Don't look at the prop stream value. Don't look at the batch leads value. Look at all of those values and then run your own comps. And sometimes I'll even go to go to realtor.com and pull an estimate. I'll go to Redfin and pull an estimate. Sometimes I'll have five or six estimates to try to figure out, hey, is there three or four of them that are close? Cool. I'm gonna probably average those. But at the end of the day, I never run with the estimate ever. I use that information to help weigh what I think it's going to be. But in order to get a true estimated after repair value, I always look at those comps and it may not be like I'm doing a deep dive guys. I mean, you can, you could look at, you know, super, super close houses in proximity and figure out if they're similar in size and type. Um, and only, you only need to find a couple typically, right? But typically you can do this in like under three minutes, right? So like we're running comps, before we have a contract, right? Before it is super rare that I'm spend more than five minutes on that task. Now, after we have a contract, I'm gonna dive, I'm gonna do a deep dive. I'm gonna spend 15 20 minutes in some scenarios making yeah. sure that that number is the number. But prior to the contract, don't spend 30 minutes trying to figure it out. You're just gonna yeah. be wasting time, yeah. Right? We, we, and
1: Scotty knows this well because he asked the question sometimes, like, if we can't find comps right the zest we know doesn't mean anything we'll do 50% of it for the zest and it'll get us in the ballpark right um yeah. because it's the speed of making them offers as well our first choice is look at sold if we can get two or three sold similar size right beds baths uh you know single story versus two story whatever uh then we're ready to go to make that offer and and, and on to the next
2: exactly love it great question it, by the way great question yeah. cool we got anything I'm, else? I know you guys so aren't in a hurry today, right? I was thinking maybe we could go another 20 30 minutes or so. I'm having fun.
0: Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take a, a little break here, real quick, and run out of here for a minute, but I'm, I'm good for another 20 30 minutes. So, cool. all right, soon right. Soon as
1: soon as Don gets back, I'm gonna get off so they'll get to the airport. Yep, no problem. I'll, I'll be wait. here, guys.
0: Let me do that. I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll, let me give me, I'll, I'll, let me do that real quick, and then Gavin, you can run. All right,
1: yeah, i wait, wait for him to back. Um, cool. Um, let, let me ask you a question, Dave. You got There's, it. Um, we talked about um buying rentals, right? We talked about you doing uh vacants, buying a most vacant, whether it was on the vacant list. Will you buy a property that yes. is with, yes. a, with a renter in there? Yes. <laughs> All right. So what I love buying what you... Okay, so you'll buy a property with a renter in there. Um so what are you looking for? What do they need to have? Uh, what information do you need to have to purchase that property with the tenant in
2: place so if the price is low enough i don't need any information at all doesn't matter so even if
1: they're not paying you will do the eviction i like the the ones the
2: most that the tenant hasn't paid they refuse to leave i got to evict because really all that means to me is that that cost in time i'm going to discount three to five times that amount on my offer Right? So what are we doing, Gavin? We're buying problems from people. So the tenants that aren't paying, they trash the house, they got 42 people living there and seven dogs. Those are my favorite ones because I'm able to get those properties at 30, 40, 50 cents on the dollar, right? Problems equal profits, people. Problems equal profits. So, you know, so typically it doesn't matter. Now, if the tenant's current, and they're in good standing, I'm typically only gonna wanna see two things. I wanna see the lease. I wanna make sure they have a lease. If they don't have one, again, not a big deal. I'll still buy it, but I'm gonna discount it even more. But I wanna see the lease because I wanna see you know, if they have a deposit, how much the rent is, when it ends. Are they in a month to month or are, or am I obligated to to um honor to the, the existing yep. lease? Right, and then number two is I wanna see the rent rolls. And the reason I want to see the rent rolls is I want to see, you know, are they paying on time? That's what the rent rolls typically show you: when they pay, how much they're paying, and when they're paying. I also want to see, you know, are they um, are they paying late fees if they're late, right? Because if they're not, we're going to start charging them, right? Um, and again, the lease is going to outline what those late fees are, how much per day, when they start. Looks like we got Don back. We'll add them back, um, you know, so on so forth, right? So. Typically a lease and a rent roll is all I need, but if they don't have that, it doesn't mean I'm not gonna buy it. In fact, I'm buying two right now. Of the 14 I was talking about earlier, I'm buying two. One, the tenant hasn't paid in four months, and the other, they're behind maybe one or two months. Um, so we'll have to evict one, maybe two, but the other one, you know, we're gonna obviously try to go get them caught up and work with them. You know yeah. my my business isn't typically trying to find houses with unruly people in a victim that's not the game here that's not the goal but as an investor this is a business yeah. and if they aren't paying then that's what we'll do and the cost to evict in missouri everywhere is going to be a little different guys the cost to evict in missouri don't quote me on this but i think we maybe pay three or four hundred dollars it takes about two months now obviously over covid there was a delay there but we're back we can evict yeah it. yeah yeah, and yeah. you're talking, you know, maybe two months um, and you're talking maybe three, four hundred bucks. So it's not it's not that expensive. The the biggest thing is the opportunity cost on the lost rent. That's that's yeah. your main issue. So, but again, so just around the offer and it's not a big deal.
1: Yeah. So just to round that up, we can buy properties with tenants in. Right. Absolutely. If they're paying on time, if they're we get the rent rolls, we get the information, then great. We can move forward if it Uh-oh. isn't. Um, mm-hmm if 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 they're not paying paying rent and they haven't for months fine okay we're just gonna get a deeper discount we're gonna cover for what's ahead of us right if we can get it a real real low discount okay um so yeah so that was good i just i wanted to you know point that Our out
2: main man Ricardo! Ricardo what's up? he's down in tulum man i am he's everywhere he called oh. me at the weekend he Hopefully he's got a coffee to have with us here this morning, mm-hmm. this afternoon in some places, depending on where you're at. I love it, man. Ricardo is the man. Love that yeah. guy. We got we, the three of us plus him have a picture with us all smoking some stogies down there. I'll have to find that and dig that up. That's uh oh, that's
1: true. Yeah. <clears throat>
2: great picture. Love that picture.
1: All right. right let's keep it. I, it uh, moving. What do we got? It i'm going so good to see you all appreciate you everyone joining and listening uh make sure as well we should have said this earlier make sure that you share this as much as you can okay share it to your social media take a picture put it post it whatever you can we appreciate it um thank you so much guys i appreciate you i'll leave you to it now i can just exit out and you are good
2: right yeah you're good all right awesome appreciate you we'll see you soon buddy All right, what do we got next? Let's find some more questions here. We got some good ones here today.
0: We have more comments right now than questions, but I think. Um,
2: How do you guys feel about comps at PropStream versus Batch? We covered that, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know that we did. I don't know we actually straight up answered Throw it that up one. up there. I, yeah, and then I don't. I, I don't have. I'll be. I'll be honest. Like we have PropStream. I pull lists out of PropStream. Um, I have somebody in my office do the comps off PropStream. We haven't used batch. So I don't have, I don't have a comment as to which one's better. I think they're very similar, right, Dave?
2: Yeah, they're very similar. In fact, PropStream has been around a lot longer. Um, the, the copying service over on batch leads has come a really, really lo- far away. It's come a long way. Um, you know, three or four months ago, I would have, you know, to be completely honest, I would have said, eh, not there yet, but it's there in my opinion today. Um, again, when you're, when you're running the comps guys, all you're looking for is sold properties. I don't typically look at actives. I don't even typically look at pendings. Um, pendings are good to know if, you know, to see, you know, if, if properties are selling or not. But the thing about the pending number is it's showing the list amount or the most recent list amount. It's not showing you what it's under contract for. Right. You don't see that until it's sold typically. So
0: so, so agent agents and, and appraisers though will call the listing agent on that property and ask that information what's in now if you off the street you're probably not going to get that information out of somebody but agents and, and appraisers will use that information.
2: It's a great point. I do, them, I, love, I actually didn't even know that. That's yeah. man, I'm learning stuff here. This is yeah. great. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh but but at the end of the day guys, don't look at the estimated values. You know, again, look at them to 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 have more insight and information about the deal, but don't take that estimated value and run with it. You know, what you're looking for when you're running comps, I mean, let's simplify this down to the, the simplest way. You're looking for solds that are recent, you're looking for close proximity, and you're looking for like. That's it. Don't overthink it. Don't try to comp a three story property to a ranch. Don't try to comp a property that's 17 miles away. I'm exaggerating here, but I'm having fun. And don't try to comp a property that was sold 14 years ago. Keep it simple. Something very close that has sold recently that is similar in likeness. So likeness means, you know, similar square footage, similar type of home. And similar number of bed and bath. Can can you comp a three or four bedroom house to a different to the opposite, a three to a four? Well, yeah, of course. But you're going to discount those or raise those numbers a little bit. Just don't try to comp a five bedroom to a two bedroom. The most or the more like that property you can find, the better. And that's that's the name of that. That's the answer. So in terms of comps, you know, over at at PropStream versus Batch Leads in in in, in regards to, to Scotty's num or question here. Um, both of them are great at this point. By all means, um, PropStream has the app. I love that, but, but but Batch obviously has a lot more tools that I'm using in my business with the list stacking and the skip tracing and the and the SMS and you know all types of other stuff. They actually just added direct mail, uh, which we've been testing and playing with a little bit. Um, so again, you know, both are going to be really really good solutions. Great question.
0: Yeah, I agree 100. And and <clears throat> just to piggyback on what you said, a good when you say you know a five bedroom to a two bedroom, that kind of thing. A good rule of thumb, you know, a lot of people will say plus or minus 200 feet, I like to do plus or minus 100 feet. So if the house is 1500 versus 1600, you know, 1500, three bedroom, two bath versus 1600, two bedroom, two bath, that the 1600 is still a reasonable comparable, right? For you're you're trying to get a cost per square foot. So maybe the the 1600 is the only comparable you can find and it's, it's sold at $150 a square foot, you just time your 1500 square foot house times $150 square foot, you're going to have your number, but you don't want to go to an 1800 square foot house. Or a 1200 square foot house and try to use those numbers unless you don't have anything alike and and the other thing to to consider too because when you're in older neighborhoods we have what we equate to mansions in the hood sometimes somebody's added on to a home or was a custom build and it's a 3000 square foot house in a neighborhood that has nothing bigger than 1300 square feet right and so a lot of people will try to use the comparables of the 1200 square foot house to comp that mansion in the hood, that 3000 square foot house, that 2600 square foot house, and your cost per square foot at a buck 50 for the 1200 square foot house is not going to equate on the 2600 square foot house. You're going to probably be like a buck 25 for that 2600 square foot house because it's it's an anomaly in a neighborhood. So I don't want to throw out more information we need to, but there's just there's things to consider um, when you're doing comps, especially when you don't have a lot of a lot of new wholesalers won't have a a like property, and they'll try to use numbers that are unreasonable to get to a number. And just, I want you to start thinking through, you know, logical thought, is somebody going to want to pay an absorbed amount of money for a house that's bigger than everything else in that neighborhood? Um, You know, and are they likely to pay double? They're not. They're not going to do that. So right. And and when
2: we say like, guys, just don't overcomplicate it, though. Just find like properties earlier. I had mentioned, you know, don't comp a three story to a ranch, Um, but also keep in mind that, you know, properties can be very different that look alike. So you may have two ranch houses and one has a basement, one doesn't. Those really aren't like properties. So if your subject property is a ranch that's a slab, try to find other ranch slabs, mm-hmm. right? So basically the more like your property, the better. Don says, take your square footage from 200 on either side down to 100. I love that. I even typically take my duration, like how long ago it sold, right. uh, typically to six months, right? Six if months. there's not enough comps, I'll go to a year. But in this market, when you have mm-hmm. increasing in prices, pretty, pretty, pretty fast, um, definitely take that time frame in. And then also in proximity. I don't typically like comp over a quarter mile unless exactly. there's zero comps or I'm out in the country. You know, if I'm in a neighborhood, I wanna see properties that are in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Don't cross major interstates, right. because typically when you do that, the school districts change, even and therefore it's no longer like anymore.
0: Even major cross streets in a city, not just- Even
2: major area. cross streets, cross interstates, street. cross streets, boulevards. Yeah, so ideally <clears> find properties on the street or within a couple streets, or within the neighborhood, and if you have to take your your time out a little bit from six months to a year, that's fine. If you have to move your square footage a little bit, that's fine. But typically, I don't like using I, the last thing I typically move is the distance. That's typically the last thing I do is I start small. I, you know, I start at a quarter mile. I start at six months, and I start at you know maybe 100 to 200 square feet on either side, and then I'll narrow down. Assuming I have a lot of comps, if I don't then i'll start slowly opening those up a little bit but the more narrow you can be the better yeah and
0: and just to throw it out there appraisers like to usually usually like to see three very similar properties that sold at a very similar price right that's that's typically to to see is three right so um if you have one outlier and say that was a cash sale by somebody that had to have that property and nothing else in that area comes even close to that comparable. You can't use that number to justify your number on your property. Even even the property is the exact property, right? We've had that situation where somebody had to have a property. They paid cash for it. They way overpaid for it. Different market, obviously, and that was an outlier. An appraiser is not going to use that. They're going to consider it, but they're not going to use that value. They're going to lump it in in averages with with three or four other properties <clears throat> that are like properties and and what they sold for and that's going to bring that number down so you know probably way more information we need to throw out there but just things to consider when you're looking
2: yeah if you're if you're brand new at this guys and you're just getting started don't overthink it you know if you're running your comps in batch leads or prop stream it's gonna it's gonna give you some presets and just work off of the presets and if you have too many comps then then narrow them in a little bit if you don't have enough then take them out a little bit don't overthink again there's three things that i look for typically It is like properties. It is time, like how long ago duration. Typically, I like six months or less. Um, And it is proximity. And that's really the main thing. Once you, you know, if you if you really want to narrow it down, you could probably add two or three more things to that. But typically from the hip, that's the main things you're looking for. Great question. Do We have any more looks like Ricardo said he's got his coffee. He just got done trying to scuba dive i love it man i gotta go down to tulum and visit that sounds yeah. awesome very cool very cool so
0: um let's see matt says each person comps differently kind of depends on how you evaluate it. you know the numbers are the numbers and numbers at the end of the day <clears throat> a lot of people will throw opinion in there and they'll they'll speculate to a certain degree but at, at the end of the day if you're just going off sure numbers the comp is going to be the comp agreed you know? yeah so yeah. um <clears throat> see here I got I do have I have the natural cough um I read an appraisal manual from Amazon and now I feel like I know my shit (laughs) that's (laughs) that's got to be a hard read um that's right so all right well Dave we don't have that many more questions here it looks like we might be good for the day
2: hey I love it man I love it well guys thanks for watching coffee with closers live David Dodge Don Costa Gavin he's already left for the day every weekday every i'm sorry every wednesday not weekday every wednesday at 9 pacific 11 central 12 eastern don gavin and i will be going live and we love talking real estate all things real estate so guys thanks for watching uh text the number at the bottom here it's scrolling down here at the bottom um we are building out a website that's got free resources and uh, you can text that number to get that information you'll also get uh weekly tips and tricks and updates from don gavin and i at that number so i would highly encourage you guys to text flip to that number so you can get those updates and i think that's probably it don what you got man is that it
0: that's it that's it i think so so um, it, I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to plug the mastermind. If anybody wants Absolutely. To a mastermind, I mean, we have an amazing community. If you're already doing deals, you got to already kind of have a business in place. Be watching this and, and you're already doing deals. You want to be part of a community. Dave, Dave's a member of, of mm-hmm. the mastermind so um the inner circle elite um we are investors coming together to help each other out we got some amazing things going on our next meeting is going to be in nashville actually let's go back to nashville but our next meeting is going to be in nashville august 5th and 6th and i'd love to see people apply for that at be so it's going to be in this room.com and apply and uh, we'll see about uh, getting you in the room so that's that's what i got so be in this
2: room.com right so I make sure i got that right
0: um absolutely boom so,
2: i just be added in it into the comments area guys love the the group. Don, thank you so much for putting this together. There is some amazing people in this group. And uh, yeah, I, I I can't speak, you know, I can't speak highly. I can't speak any highly about any right. more highly about it. Can't get my words here. I need another coffee. Great yeah. group. <laughs> so all right, Dave, always love talking to you, brother. So likewise, uh, likewise. Yeah. All right, guys, signing off until next time. Thanks for watching coffee with closers live. We'll see you until next time.